Well, for this morning's sermon, I'm not going to actually have you turn to a specific text, but if you want, you can follow along with me because we're going to be looking at several different ones. Before we get into it, let's pray and ask that God would bless our time in his word. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for you, for your kindness toward us, for your word and how you speak to us and minister to us in so many ways guiding and directing and correcting and rebuking and disciplining and chastening and encouraging and lifting up. Father, you know exactly where each of us is at this morning. As every person sits here, you know where their heart's at before you. Examine our hearts, O God, and show us and reveal to us what we're like before you, that we might know ourselves in truth before you. And that we would behold the glory and the goodness of your beloved Son and lay hold of him. We ask, Father, that you would stir our hearts and help us to see with eyes of faith what it is you have for us. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Well, we've been in a series in Luke, and last week we did Easter, so I backed out of Luke for that. But this week... I'm not going to be getting back into Luke either because I want to address an issue that I believe is affecting Redeemer Church, all of us here, and and obviously not so much, um, I don't know where visitors, you visitors here this morning, where you're at, but it's affecting, we believe, God's work even in our midst and what he's doing. A few weeks ago, Mike and I, uh, at our elders meeting, we were talking about what we needed to do as a congregation to improve um, our worship service, what we do here this morning. And we, we decided, we had a, a good conversation, but we decided to go away for that week and pray. And I know that might sound um, okay, that's normal, but instead of, here's the difference, instead of us strategically trying to figure it out, we realized, you know, let's just take this week and let you and I, we won't talk to one another, we'll just go and seek the Lord and see what uh, how God directs us, how he leads us, what, shows what, what, where can we improve, how can we improve in worship. And so we took that week and we just prayed about it and each of us um, came back and, and then we started talking and saying, so what, how did the Lord lead you this week? What, what, what was it that impressed on you? And, and what was amazing is I want to also see, would God work in both of us and would there be absolute unity when we came back? And sure enough, we come back and there was absolute unity. And both of us are saying the exact same thing. And it, it was pretty, one of those moments where you're going, wow, that is great. To see God work in both of our hearts and our minds and how we came to these conclusions throughout the week. And so that was very encouraging. And that, this message is a result of that time that we had. That we believe that this is what the church needs to hear at this particular moment. So I want to explain to you what exactly it is that we think that we really need to take heed to as a church and the things we need to take care of in regard to this worship service. Because we believe that when we come together, like we are here this morning right now, to worship our God, we really need to understand and apply preparation, passion, and prayer. These were the three things that, we, that, that formulated as we talked. And to understand this and to know what we mean, it's all based on this premise. We all know what is the first and greatest commandment in all of Scripture. 
It's pretty simple, right? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And obviously, we know that we cannot do this perfectly. It's not something that we do continuously all the time. But we have known his love, and if, sorry, if we, if we have known his love, and if we've been born of his spirit, there should be a clear and definite love for God, unmistakably. And if there isn't, there's reason for concern. Because here's something, here's something that we'll have to, we're going to see, is that God has called us, first and foremost, to love him with all our whole being, everything in us. He leaves nothing out. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we're going to see, that's where I come up with this word passion. With utter passion. Everything in us. But we don't always do that. And there's, we think there's reasons why we don't do that. And one of the first things, this is what we talked about, I think we fail to do, is prepare our hearts. To prepare ourselves. To prepare us to love the Lord in this way. Because what preparation do, does is it gets the heart ready. It's, allows, it's what allows us to show up and truly worship the Lord with everything in us. If you look at many of Paul's letters, one of the things you'll see that Paul does is he often, he will articulate what is true about us in Christ, the gospel. And then at the end, he applies that to life, to the practical details of life. Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, Philippians, all of them are organized this way. Telling us, Paul, in detail, the glories of the gospel. And then, as a result, what it, how it's supposed to affect our lives. And because he has loved us, God has loved us in Christ with such great love, he then calls us to love one another. It is the gospel that prepares the heart, that cultivates our heart. So that we know how God has loved us. So that we, in turn, love Him. We love Him, why? Why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. We don't love Him. We don't try to stir up love. We think, man, I just need to love God more. I know hey, I'm to love Him with everything, and I don't. This is pathetic. What do I need to do? I just need to, like, man, um, I'm going to just start trying now. Okay, let's love God. You know, It's never going to happen. You, first of all, if you're going to prepare your heart to love God, you have to cultivate the gospel in your heart. Prepare your heart with it. You have to understand how God has loved you in Christ Jesus. It's pivotal. As Paul prayed to the, uh, for the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 17 and following, and I, I've used it often for a benediction for us. He asked that Christ, he says, may Christ dwell in their hearts through faith that they might be rooted and grounded in love. He also asked that they would know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And why? Do you know what he says next? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. 
Paul's passion was that his God's people would know how much God has loved them. And we struggle with that. You want to watch your heart grow cold? You, it'll grow cold when you start to wonder, when you start to doubt, when you start to look at yourself and you start to question, how is it that God could love this? How could God love this? You ever have those thoughts? You ever see yourself throughout the week and the things that you think, you say, you do? I'm an idiot. I often call myself an idiot. Man, that was stupid. You say something that you shouldn't have said. Oh. You think something that you shouldn't have thought. Oh, man. This is, this is what we're like. It's very difficult for us to maintain and understand God's love for us in Christ Jesus because of who we are. Now, you can be doing Good Friday and just be in the dump Saturday, can't you? <laughs> How's that? Well, Friday when you were doing well, I guarantee you the gospel was getting through. It, it, was, it was laying hold of you and you're starting to understand if you've ever meditated or pondered and you, and, and, and you start to get what it is that God has done for you in Christ Jesus and as it, it fills your heart and it fills your mind and it starts to captivate you and grip you, what does it do to you? It starts to just enliven you and embolden you. It changes you and, and, and it fills you. Yeah, and you, you can get to the point where you feel like you're filled with the fullness of God. And you live and you act differently as a result of that. Now, it's you. loving is the only natural response. So the very first thing that has to happen, if we are to... If, if we are to come here and worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, you've got to prepare your heart. Your heart has got to be prepared. This isn't something that will be renewed somehow randomly, because just because you woke up, rolled out of bed, hopped in the shower, grabbed a coffee, and went off to work, or popped in here thinking, let's go, you won't be going too much. Not too much is going to be happening. You're not too spiritual. Not, you're not too awakened, too enlivened. If you are going to cultivate a love for God, the heart has got to be prepared. And what do you prepare it with? What God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And you, and you, gotta, you, you have to have time. This requires, take some time. You've got to carve time out just to be quiet. Just to ponder. Just to meditate and think about who God is, what he's done. What, what does it mean that his son died for me? Sure, you can say that, but if you just like wrestled with that, mauled it over and let it start to have its way with you, it takes time. You need time each and every day to be quiet, to seek your God and prayerfully consider his word to you. You know, if God is to, if you're to love him with everything in you, you have got to examine your heart. You've got to know where you're at. You've got to know where you're at before God, and you have to cultivate the right heart with God. And part of the, the things that happen is that we can say and do and think things that create barriers and separation with God. And if you think you'll just stuff that stuff away, you know, oh, yeah, just, just like give it some time, it'll go away. 
No, the only thing that will go away is your, your fellowship and communion with God. And next thing you know, you do not want to seek him. You don't want to get next to him. You don't want to get close to him because there's this monkey on your back. And, and you don't like what's going on. And so instead of drawing near to him, you want to run away from him. That's what we want to do. We want to run and hide. So part of cultivating the heart is dealing with the issues of your heart. What's happening in your life? I guarantee you, you ask God this, say, Father, I earnestly ask you, please, take a pen and paper because he's going to show you. If, is there anything in my life that I need to deal with? Issues that are hindering fellowship with you. Get your pen and pad ready. I remember one time I did this. And I'm in my adult ages. And he brought up that I remember when I was a kid, I stole a chocolate bar. The strangest thing. Where did that come from? Get, uh, get ready. God shows you these things. <laughs> and I realized, I need to deal with this stuff. You can't just stuff it. And you ask God, say, God, please show me. And he shows you that kind of stuff. He will. And sometimes you're wondering, well, how will this happen? I don't know. He'll, he'll just do it. It'll impress you on your mind. It'll come, it'll, it'll come up. But just ask him, and it'll deal with your heart. You know, so we prepare, if, if we're to prepare, we have to prepare our hearts, and we prepare it with the gospel. We prepare it with an understanding of ourselves in, the, in what's going on in our lives and dealing with issues. We also, pre- we need to prepare our homes. Having a prepared home helps to have a prepared heart. And here's what I mean by that. We have to take care of things the night before. If you're running around this morning like a crazy person, and you're here, there, scattered, screaming, yelling, everybody's getting ready, everything's behind, everything's chaotic, I don't know what I'm wearing, but I'm going to somehow figure this out, and nothing's coming to you, and you're just running around, and you run in here, half frazzled, crazy, don't know what's going on, don't expect to come here and worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not going to happen. You're not ready. You're not prepared. Think, if we are to arrive somewhere prepared... And ready to go, it means there's got to be prior preparation. Just think, if, if you were to go to the Seahawks game, what are you doing the night before? you got to make sure that jersey's washed and ready. Where are the tickets? Get the tickets out on the counter. Get, what am I wearing? i got this ready, everything ready. When are we leaving? Where are we parking? What time should we get there? When we get there, we got to get there nice and early because I want to get there and I want to get all the pregame stuff. And, I, and so you're thinking about it and planning and preparing. You're anticipating. The expectations of the event causes us to have a heightened sense of preparation. We have to get things ready. But part of the problem with worship is that we don't expect much. It's kind of like going to the Mariners after they lost for several years. (laughs) You show up in the third inning. (laughs) Stretch, stay for a couple innings, and split. You know, But when there's expectation... When there's anticipation of something great is going to happen, it's totally different. But you think about it. We're coming here to meet with the God of heaven and earth. There's no creature, being, or anything that's greater and mightier and more awesome. The cosmos was brought into existence by him speaking words. He knows the, num- the m- number of sand 
particles on the beach. He calls all the stars by name. You, he's awesome. Amazing. It's a big event. We're coming into, as his people, gathering together to meet with the God of the universe. And that God gave his only begotten son for you and loved you. And it's not, not just his son. Everything that you have in your life, do you enjoy one thing? Do you realize that's the blessing of God? The food you eat, the air you breathe, everything you have. And if you have any good thing, it's from him. He has given so much. He gives that stuff to people who absolutely defy him, hate him, and resist him. He's good. He's awesome and amazing. And that's where we're showing up to. But part of the problem is our hearts were not prepared. Our homes are not prepared. Our lives are not prepared. We don't even have habits that will allow us to come prepared. We need to be getting ready. And there's some folks who have no, or such a commitment. They, they prepare and they have a big meal Saturday night. And Saturday night kicks it off and they're getting ready. They're getting ready for the big day Sunday. And they do things to cultivate a sense of preparation and anticipation. That's how we need to live. Because you know what happens if we don't prepare our hearts, our homes, and our habits to meet God? It will be said of us, as it was said of the people, God's people in Isaiah's day. Isaiah was 29, 13 was read for us this morning. This people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. To me, that... That's convicting. But when we prepare our hearts, we prepare our homes, we prepare our lives to to get ready to meet God, God does great things. Because only then, the second aspect we're going to look at, can we actually approach God with passion. Because we're called to approach Him with passion. And I use that word passion because I think it really well, it describes what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What else could you call it when somebody loves someone this way? It's passion. And it comes out. They're passionate. And David, man, King David, he was passionate. <laughs> he was zealous for the Lord. And he delighted in him. Psalm 138 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. And all through the Psalms, I could list many of them, David is either declaring that he will praise the Lord with his whole heart or calling others to do the same thing. Praise him, praise him, and praise him with everything that is in you. And as I thought about this, as I've, we've reflected on this, and even as we ask God to reveal this to us, I become convicted myself about my own lack of passion for God. Passion in worship and in life. How often have I been here singing and my lips were moving and my brain somewhere else? Drifting, wandering, half-hearted at best. Pathetic. 
And ashamedly, to my own shame and disgust, I have, I, I find that some, I'll have more passion for sports than for the worship of God. And I think if, we were, if, if you were to look and say, where are we at on the passion dial? Are these people passionate about God? Say, not so much. And what scares me is that one of the factors that has often deceived God's people has been their faith, faithfulness in the routine of their religious activity. Because when they're doing the religious activity and because they're so regular and they're so faithful, it starts to tell them and communicate to them like everything's just great. Because God's people have often been tempted to equate their faithfulness in the religious activity with their relationship with God. I already read the example in Isaiah 29. The people of, in, of God in Isaiah's day were just, it, this was prolific. They, they were convinced that they were doing all the right things. Isaiah 58 is a wonderful chapter. You should go home after the service today and just read it. Because it's, it's great. It's great commentary on how it is that God's people get so confused. as God, what's going on? Isaiah 58, it says there that the people were wondering why God was not hearing them or answering them. Or like, what's going on, O oh God? And, and God, this is what he actually says to them. Quote, they seek him daily. They delight to know in his ways. They're fasting. They're worshiping. Yet God was distant because they had undealt with sin and were not repenting of it. Their faithful religious activity had blinded them. It blinded them and it can blind us. We can think everything in our relationship with God is good. Why? I get up every morning, I have a cup of coffee, I read two chapters, I pray, I go to work, I come to church every Sunday, I tithe, I this, I that. Our, that activity can kind of start to just, it says to me, everything's good. I have, a, I have a great relationship with God. There's just no zeal, there's no passion. The heart's just as cold as ice. And you know, one of, I think today, here's a prophetic voice for today, our day. The prophet would get up and probably say something in our day about our worship of God and, and declare that you guys are consumers and you approach it like consumers. Because you come to see what is offered. How is it? We sit in judgment. We rate the music. We, we judge the prayers. We rate the sermon. We ju- and so we're just there. We're sitting and analyzing and critiquing often. So like going to the theater, we come to see the quality of the production. And then we judge, it's, judge it based on what it did for us. And then we go away declaring it on a scale of 1 to 10. I gave it a 6. We cannot come here as consumers seeking to see what is offered up for us. We have to come to this worship service with passion to meet the triune God and be prepared in our own hearts. This means that when we come here and we we are prepared, we've prepared everything and we're ready, we come regardless of everything else. You as an individual, you praise God with everything that is in you. 
We pray to Him earnestly. We listen to Him more eagerly. And we delight in Him more deeply. Could it be that we absolutely botch a song and it doesn't go very well, but you were just into it because of what the words were saying? Focused. You were dialed in. You came here ready, ready and prepared to, with all your heart, just give everything to God. Because anything less than everything is just not, it's not adequate. It's not, it's not what we should bring to, it, to the God who's given us everything. And it's a sheer indication that our hearts, we're just not ready. We're not even ready to be here because we need to come with our hearts aflame, ready with passion. And this means that we sing with all our mights. I can argue, I can't sing real well. Who cares? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. We often make that argument because we're more concerned about what man thinks of us than what God thinks of us. I remember I had a friend in Bible college. This guy was the, he, he, I don't think, I think he had one note. It was bad, real bad, and it cracked me up. But he stimulated my heart to praise God with even more vigor. This guy belted it, and he would just be like everything in him, and it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> and it was funny, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, that, that just convicted me. I was like, I need to sing with everything in me because this is the God we're, we're worshiping. So that's what it means. It means this isn't about everybody around me and what they think of me. That's just a sure sign that our hearts aren't ready. We're, this is about God. Forget everybody else around me. And the amazing thing is when somebody around you does that and they come and they worship with everything in them, they praise God... Have you ever noticed its effect and impact on you? It does. It really has an impact on you. It starts to stir the people around you. This is what it means to worship God with passion. For those who are leading, this is what it means. It means Mike, when he comes up here to the call to worship, putting his heart, mind, and soul into the call and the confession. It means Joel. It means Lane and Anne-Marie, and Azalea, and Kale, all those in the worship team, doing it not as a performance, but they have themselves, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they have to lead and lead us there. It means the readers read the God's word, having prepared and expecting God to speak through his word, and focusing on the words, and focusing on God, and not caring what others think of us. It means praying earnestly, speaking to God from the heart and not to impress men. How often do we, we do things and we start to th- do it in a way and cultivate our prayers even so that others might be impressed? That's an abomination to God. It means me, me laboring diligently and pouring all that I have into the preparations of these sermons, into the delivery of them. I need to forget Dean up here. I need to disappear. And I need to pour my heart out before the Lord and try to communicate the best with everything in me what it is God is saying to his people. I need to lead in in, in the communion and do the same thing there. Everything, all of us. Because the leaders lead the way. So I've got to take the brunt of this responsibility and say this has to be led. 
One thing I want, to, want us to understand also is that, and I don't want to be misunderstood, passion and love doesn't express itself the same way. It doesn't mean that, okay, now everybody has to raise their hands and you know, everybody has to ju- jump around. That's, everybody expresses things differently. It's an interesting to me. It, it really has a lot to do with your cultural background. You'll see some people who come from a more Pentecostal or charismatic background, and they, that's how they've learned to express themselves. I've never done that in my life. And so it's like I don't know, even know anything about that. But I know what it's like to worship and praise God with everything in me and, I, and, sh- and just give him everything. And so when I say passion, personalities express this differently because then we can start doing the other game where we start putting on what, what passion looks like and our hearts are still far from God. Then we gain a reputation of being alive. But as Jesus said in, in Revelation, you're dead. So let's not get this wrong. But I do say one thing. When there's people who are passionate about their God and praise him, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty contagious. That's one thing I will say. It's, it's sensed, and you can tell that these people love their God. And lastly, I want to say this. In closing, I want to say that, you know, this is, none of this is going to happen. There will be no preparation and there will be no passion without prayer. Prayer is so important in our preparation and so important to there being passion in our worship because God is going to do something when His people pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20, Paul pleads with the church that they would, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul was... Paul wanted the saints to pray. He said, pray for this. He, rec- he makes the same kind of request in Romans, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. Please pray for me. Pray for one another. Pray without ceasing. And pray to the Lord God of heaven. And why did he ask that? Because he knows that when God's people pray, God moves. And when we pray according to God's will in faith and the fellowship with him and his people, great things happen. And not just any old prayer. James in James 5 says this, that the fervent, the fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Not the pathetic prayer. Not the fall asleep prayer, but the fervent prayer of a righteous man. This is why there were godly saints who took up praying in the basement of Spurgeon's church. Because they were so committed and understood that, you know, if we will beseech the Lord, he will act and move. And while he was preaching, he had several underneath in the basement beseeching the, the gates of heaven that, oh, Lord God, work and move. And he was working and moving powerfully. And we, too, need to beseech the Lord through his word to change our hearts, to work in and through His people, to in and through those who are leading His people. 
And, I, and as we do this throughout the week, if this becomes part of our a routine, I will guarantee you your life will be changed and our worship will not be the same either. How much do you earnestly pray? Ask yourself this. How much do I earnestly pray for those who lead this worship? How much do I earnestly pray for my own heart and mind to be affected for God to show up in powerful ways? If all of us earnestly sought the Lord to please, oh God, and you plead for me, please beg God for me that he would give me eyes to see and fill my heart with zeal and passion that I would deliver. Pray for Mike. Pray for Joel and the team. Pray for all of us. And pray for your own heart and come expecting God to do something. What would that do? It would, if anything, it would radically have an impact on you. It would change. Because when we show up unprepared and having not prayed, and we do that, and we come here, and you come here, and you sit expecting God to do something, Guess what? Most likely nothing is going to happen unless somebody else has been praying for you. God does that kind of stuff. He's gracious. You came dead as a doornail. And he came He said, I'm going to wake this person up. Because perhaps you had some people praying for you. Because you know, usually, more often than not, all that happens to a consumer is that he becomes more of a hearer of the word and not a doer. You will sit here week after week and hear, yeah, that was, yeah, good word, Dean. Yeah, that was good. Thanks. Nothing changes. You go home, don't do anything about it. That's a scary place to be. And that's what starts to happen as the lethargy sets in. It's like Yonsville. Just another routine. And you know what? Here's the great thing, though. Our God is even kind there in that situation. Because you know what God does? When we start to go there, he starts to spank us. He starts to bring discipline into our lives. He starts to bring events and circumstances and things that start... Wake up. Hello. Things aren't going so well. And he starts to get your attention. I am so thankful. One of the greatest things in my life is that God has always treated me as a son. How do I know that? Because my road has been paved with sorrow. He has never let me get away with anything. Praise be to God. I'm an idiot and I need it. Bad. And he's always been faithful. He's always been kind. And so it's amazing to me, like so much of how I even understand how God has loved me. And I just look at my life and I've seen how he's provided, how he's guided, directed, and just spanked the tar out of me. Oh, you know, at the time, no thanks. Who wants that? But looking back, praise be to God. You know, I also want to say something just quickly in regard to prayer. I think we, we become religious idiots. And this is what I mean by that. We start to learn language or we think, how should I pray? We start to craft some, some lingo. 
and our prayers are no longer filled with honesty and earnestness. They're filled with a bunch of pretense and highfalutin language and these and thous and formulaic routines. God is not impressed, folks. He is not impressed. We need to learn to pray like we talk and pray with earnestness and be absolutely honest and real. God knows what's going on. Don't go to Him in pretense. You're frustrated. You're angry. You're disappointed. Oh, thou Lord, oh, Scott, so great and mighty. And, and it's like you go on your little routine. It's like, he's like, that's not who you are. That's not what's going on. You need to learn to be honest, like the Psalms teach you to be honest. You ever want to know how to pray? You want to know how to complain and grumble? Go read the Psalms. If you're frustrated, tell God you're frustrated. If you're confused, tell him you're confused. If you don't know what to say, tell him I have no idea what to say. If just be absolutely honest, and the best things that ever said, I, I love it that people don't know what I'm doing in my office because they kind of like I can just throw my hands up and, and wrestle with God and say things like God, I am so confused, and this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Unless you help me, please. You see how dumb I am. I need your help. Or I'm frustrated, God. I'm so frustrated. I'm frustrated because I don't understand it. I, I, I feel like I'm so dark. dark. I, I don't get what I need to do. I don't understand what my next step is. I just really don't get it. I need you to guide me. I need you to direct me. You know the best times with God when I'm just absolutely honest? And he clearly guides and directs me in those prayers. The worst is when I'm formulaic and I go into my stupid uh, you know, religious act. Activity. I got the. I know how to pray. I prayed a lot of years, and I prayed in front of people, and and so I know the whole routine. Honesty, folks. Honesty. You know, a really good book for this. And actually, Mike put me onto this book. It's just. It's really good to teach you to be honest before God and cultivate a prayer life. It's called a praying life. If you want to write this down, you want a really good book on prayer to cultivate. Just to. Walking, talking with God, and just being honest, being real who you are. A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Paul Miller, A Praying Life. Good book. You know, Jesus said to me, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But how do we often go to Jesus? As like we have it all together. If you're weary, go to him with your weariness. If you're heavy laden with burdens, take those burdens and lay them at his feet. Be honest. That's prayer. Here's another thing. Be quiet sometimes. Just zip it and and just hang and let God do his thing. Read his word. and, And realize that in the spirit of prayer, you don't have to be talking. Don't think, well, what do I say? I don't say anything. Tell God I don't have a clue what to say. But I want, to, I want to know you and I want to spend time with you. That's the kind of thing we need to learn to do in our prayers. And I'll tell you one thing. When we become brutally honest in our prayers, and we start to prepare and, and we're earnest, and we seek the Lord, and we seek the Lord to work in our hearts in the midst of these, uh, us, his people, and you pray for the leaders in the congregation, and you start to cultivate in your heart and prepare your heart to arrive here to meet God and come with big expectations, and you come here and you seek the Lord and you praise Him and you pursue Him with 
absolute passion, everything you got, look out. Your life is going to be different. This place is going to be different. If one person would take this seriously, this place gets different. If all of us took it seriously, what do you think would happen? The roof would come down. God would show up. And it would be amazing. Perhaps then what we could say, you know, the psalmist said, a day within your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. When's the last time you said that? Truly, I don't want to leave because God is here and doing a great thing. So what do we need to do as God's people? We need to prepare our hearts, prepare our homes and our lives to meet God. We need to cultivate passion and come here and give him everything. Because here's something else. People will say, you get out of it what you put into it. You've heard that before? Well, with God, it's even better than that. You get more out of it than you put into it. You put 100% into it, you think, well, that would drain me. No, he kicks back 200%. That's how God works. You pour your life out before him. Give him all your passion, all your zeal, all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. And what does he do? He dump trucks back on top of you. The more you get, with God, the more you give to God, the more you receive in abundance from God. And truly, we will be a different people. And that's a place I want to come worship. Because we are prepared, we are praying, and we're passionate. Amen. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for you, for your love toward us, for your grace and kindness. Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us half-hearted creatures. We truly are. Father, we're in so many ways, we're pathetic. We offer to you up, up to you drivel. Oh, Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us for not preparing our hearts, our minds. Forgive us for not praying as we ought to. And, oh, Lord, have mercy. Look upon us and give us a spirit of prayer and a burden and a conviction by your spirit. And work deeply in us and move in us and shape us and mold us into into the image of your Son and work powerfully among us. Father, please, we ask this in the name of your beloved Son. Amen.